Hey, everybody. Welcome to At The Root with Greg Piper. Greg is a psychotherapist and holistic life coach. His practice, of course, is Kuiper Counseling. Through his professional practice and personal experiences, Greg knows that without connection with ourselves, connection with others is near impossible. Because, after all, emotional connection is at the root of healthy living. If you are interested in calling in to the show, then please do so. We welcome it. The number is 425 425- Three seven three five five two seven. I'll say it again in case you're fumbling for a pen or pencil. It's four two five three seven three five five two seven. And remember, if you are a little shy about calling into the show, you can always connect with Greg on his website, which is kypercounseling.com. There, you can find out more about Greg. There's a contact form. You can find past episodes of At the Root resources, and even a link to his YouTube channel called Connection Through Awareness with Greg Hyper. Hello, Greg. Hello, Stacy. How are you? I'm doing well today. It's a beautiful day. It is a beautiful day, and I, I feel strange. I'm actually, I'm, I'm zooming in today from home, so I'm not sitting right across from you. So I feel like we're doing um, telehealth today. Telehealth today. That's right. At least I can see you and you can exactly. see Exactly. That's true. Mm. You know, so that's important. <laughs> well, telehealth, that's the way the way it is anymore. Quite it a, is. Quite a bit. And yeah. I was just going to say, and, uh, you know, you see people face to face for sessions, but you also see them through telehealth. And you know what? Any communication, one could argue, is good communication. It is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know. Um, So, uh, lately, we have been very focused on listening, and I have been listening intently uh, (laughs) to this because uh, I'm realizing that I I constantly – listen so that I can hurry up and have my turn versus listening to better understand. Yeah. You know, that's something I think that um, a vast majority of us can admit to or not admit to, but we're doing it anyway. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just kind of the way that, I don't know, our lives have become and society and the way we grew up and social media and the internet and everything, I mean, it's, it's fast paced, it's multitasking. And, and, and so then we get to multitasking with our listening and we miss, we miss a lot of things and um, multitasking and listening intently for meaning from someone's um, sharing with you doesn't work very well. This doesn't. No, no. And I, you know, and I think about it as, as a parent, you know, I've got three kids that are out of the house and, you know, I don't speak to them all that often. And I realize that I need to be better about setting up dates where I set aside my computer and my phone and I'm not multitasking. I don't see them as much. And even with my son that lives at home, that there's such a habit of having these things that are distracting and uh, I'm missing, which you talk a lot about context and intent. Yeah. You know, we, it's, it's important anymore that, especially with our loved ones, with close people, associates, 
people we really want to have good relationships with, you know, connect with. It's important that we actually budget time, I guess. Almost. <laughs> I mean, it sounds strange. I have to budget time to talk to my wife. No, I don't think so. But, but you know, <laughs> planning, especially for uh, busy parents, both working 40, 50 hours a week, two kids, preteens at home. Come on. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not just, you know, slightly uh, uh, difficult. It's crazy. And, yeah. and I hear from a lot of uh, couples I work with that are in that situation. And I mean, there is literally very little time to connect. And this mm-hmm. is especially true now if you think of someone as a nurse or a firefighter or somebody with those off schedules, right? And the right. other and the other partner has a one of those eight to fives or nine to fives and and so there is this constant juggling of who's picking up the kids, who's dropping the kids off, who what bedtime is. I mean, sometimes, you know, eight o'clock has to be a bedtime for some a worker that gets up at four thirty in the morning. I mean, and this is incredibly difficult for families to connect unless some Specific time is just set aside, you know. I always, yeah. I always encourage couples to try to find that, I don't know, 30 minutes at least, you know, once a week at the bare minimum to just sit out, no distractions, and, and do a little planning, do a little talking about how the week went, try to mm-hmm. connect on a, on a deeper level than passing in the hallway with a toothbrush in your hand. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, it's, it's, right. it's, it's crazy for a lot of families these days. And yeah. uh, that's where this emotional connection piece starts to erode away a little bit. As it's just uh, finding the time or making the time. It's not finding mm-hmm. it, it's making it. I mean, we, we sometimes just have to prioritize that a little higher on the list. Absolutely. We, um, early on, early on in our marriage, uh, my husband and I, we made Tuesday night our date night. It was easier to get a babysitter. Uh, weekends were reserved for friends and, you know, concerts or whatever. And, uh, sometimes we spent the night, uh, just talking like, Hey, how are you? Sometimes it was planning grocery lists. It was a whole bunch of different things. Uh, and then we also, we ate very late when the kids were little uh, and old enough to stay awake because we wanted to eat as a family. So, right. you know, those well, are some things we. <coughs> Excuse me. That's a tough one, too. Eating as a family. I always encourage that, right? I mean, that is one time that a family can really connect, put the phones away, put the screens away, sit down and have dinner. It's really hard. It's really yeah. hard because of soccer practice and you know, dance practice and you know, gymnastics and I've got choir tonight and, you know, whatever. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so where are we going from here then? <clears throat> excuse me. Well, you know, we've been spending this time recently talking about listening, right? And, and the last couple of weeks we've asked some pertinent questions regarding hearing more than just the words and, and finding the intent of the speaker. And I think, you know, we continue as we go on here to examine ourselves for the answers to the questions we've asked. Like, 
How often do we allow the intent of the speaker to be part of our hearing? Why do you think we struggle with tuning into this crucial piece of the communication, the intent, the context? Why? Why is our cognitive noise, the chatter in our head, so much more important than the sensitivities and information that our partner is sharing with us? Big questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we've tackled them, uh, uh, some, and, and, and we're going to continue to do so. Um, but last week we've been focusing on that last question, right? The, the importance we unconsciously emphasize to the noise. That endless chatter, right, that runs in the background of our mind. It's just there. And, and we prioritize that uh, unconsciously. When, when we're not focused and aware, there is this constant monologue carrying on a filling, you know, filling this void. There, it's there when we're not aware of it. When we're focused and aware of it, it's, it's, it's not chatter, right? Because we're, we're thinking about it. We're being aware of it. We're talking to it. We're having a conversation with ourselves, I guess, right? I mean, and, and I'm not implying that this is detrimental and, and negative all the time. No, not always, you know, but it can be, right? We've, We've all heard of the term negative self-talk. Yeah. And, you know, and when this kind of self-deprecating diatribe gets rolling along in our minds, we suffer. We do. So have you ever just stopped thinking and checked in with what your thoughts had been in that last few moments before you checked in? It's interesting, Right. Very. This, this, this self-check-in is the key to finding the awareness of, of, of being in the present moment, right? That's what we've encouraged us be in the present moment. And, and if we can check in with what's going on, and as we've encouraged and talked about over and over again, uh, with, check in with our mind and our body, right? What's going on inside, that's being in the present moment. The chatter is off or out of sight, out of mind for that moment, right? Mm-hmm. And it's similar, right? Have you ever have you ever been driving in the car with your partner and it's been quiet, and then out of the blue somebody says, "What are you thinking about?" Oh yeah, happens all I the just, time, right? Totally, totally. <laughs> and, and or or tell me what you're thinking, right? And how how often are our answers to that question spot on with what we were thinking? And Never. I know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Wasn't sure I was going to say never, but you're probably right. Never. Much of the time, I bet that we pause, right, or we stutter with an answer, struggling to create something to say that doesn't reflect the actual noise we'd we'd have to admit to, right? I mean, so totally. So so we've got that that pregnant pause, or we think it is, where of of a few seconds where you know we should be able to say what we were thinking of, and we're trying to create something. <laughs> Because really, what we're thinking is like, man, you're a terrible driver or, you know, like, oh, my God, I, I know this because I just drove home from our lake house with my husband. And it was, you know, a five hour drive or sure. five and a half hour yeah. last night with traffic. And, you know, it's like I'm thinking I'm a terrible singer and I'm singing along and, you know, he's quiet. And, you know, it's these are the things that I'm thinking and they're 
sometimes I'm busy with what my day's holding or whatever. Sometimes I'm just staring out into space. And sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, does he, could he be any less or any more aggressive while he drives? I mean, <laughs> or, they're not or we're stuck incredible. way back in the past on some ridiculous thing that happened at junior high or something, right? And then yes. Something triggered it. We brought it up. It's in our head. And oh my God, I'm not going to share that. I was thinking about that, right? But, but, those are the moments of connection that that we talk about a lot. Mm-hmm. So, so we don't want to admit to the noise we that that that, that was really going on. Can and can this noise we're talking about be positive and uplifting? Sure, it can. Right? I mean, it's not all uh, negative. Reliving happy memories or imagining exciting upcoming possibilities, right, or opportunities. This creates a positive emotional experience in our mind, right? So it's sure. hard to classify that as noise to me, right? And remember, whatever experiences we have going on in our mind at any moment, these experiences are creating detailed and complex neural pathways in our brain every second, reinforcing these experiences and laying down Intricate maps with other neural pathways. This is an elaborate, complex process, and it's all dictated by whatever's in your mind at any moment. That's almost scary. Uh So where do we want these complex maps to take our future, to take us? Positive destinations of emotional, spiritual, mental, and physical growth and well-being. Right. That's where we want these destinations to be. So the experiences that are going in our mind probably shouldn't be, you know, uh, uh, beating yourself up about making a minor mistake and swearing you'll never, you know, do that experience again because you're no good at it and blah, blah, blah. I mean, so those neural pathways are just building like crazy on what you've got in your mind. Mm-hmm. This internal monologue only becomes noisy, right, when we don't have the awareness in the moment to give it those gentle prods in more positive directions. So um, the listening skills we've been talking about, nurturing and developing in our relationships with others, are best learned in our conversations with ourselves. Think about that one. Oh, my gosh. It's so true. Yeah. If we're going to learn to listen and and emote and connect with other people. We better know how to do it ourselves, with ourselves, right? When we turn the internal monologue, the noise, into an internal dialogue, we are in a state of awareness. We are in the here and now with that interaction. We are talking to ourselves. We are exploring possibilities. Yeah. So it's a dialogue. And it's hard to be a dialogue without some awareness, right? And, you know, so we wish to be in that state in our interactions with others as well. It makes me think, uh, we'll take a break after this, but um, it makes me think about uh, I've struggled on and off with my weight through the years. And I remember doing 
Weight Watchers and, you know, getting into bed at night and thinking, you know, before I was trying to do something about my weight, like, oh, I can't believe I ate, you know, that sleeve of cookies or whatever it was. (laughs) And so there was that negative monologue in my head, right? And then, you know, I would do whatever fill in the blank fad diet. Then I'd get into bed and I'm like, I can't wait until I can eat 13 and a half almonds. And, you know, (laughs) that's also negative self-talk. And so I finally, I started going to bed listening to a guided meditation to fall asleep that was like, you know, basically like, you're good, you know, and that then I could focus on that because I couldn't get out of my own head. So that's what this reminds me of. All right. And that's what Uh, those... That's what those guided meditations are so good for us, is it <laughs> taking the chatter away for the time that they're there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. So let's take a quick break here, and then uh, we'll come back. And I suspect that you have more to say on this topic. So oh, I do. keep listening <laughs> to At The Root with Greg Kuiper. Sometimes psychotherapy is not enough to get to the root of our illusions. Hypnotherapy with licensed practitioner Annette Kuiper of Solid Insight can help. With hypnotherapy, it's possible to tap into what's beneath our layers of protection and resolve the illusions that stop us from accomplishing what we want. Hypnotherapy is a safe state of relaxed calm coupled with elevated mental awareness that allows for a deeper dive into our subconscious. Led by Annette, it's about understanding and loving ourselves and creating a deeper connection with others. Learn more about Annette at SolidInsightNow.com. Looking to reconnect with your partner, spouse, kids, or self? When the disconnect seemingly has been there for a lifetime and is impacting your relationships, it's difficult to determine how and where to start. But At The Root with Greg Kuiper of Kuiper Counseling is the perfect first step. Throughout each episode, Greg talks about establishing emotional connection with ourselves and others. He offers experience, advice, explanation, and resources to listeners. You can find past episodes on his website, KuiperCounseling.com, or through his YouTube channel, Connection Through Awareness with Greg Kuiper. Hey, are you missing listening to this show is all about you with me, JDK Winnikin? Well, you don't have to. You can still listen to Greg Kuyper's show at The Root and my show. It's a win-win in every way because you can download my show and his at Podcast One, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Don't miss a minute of either show and listen to them on your own schedule. So be aware out there that you can listen to both of us still. And isn't that comforting? Easy on the ears, good for the soul. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to At The Root with Greg Kuiper here on KKNW. Greg has been talking about listening and communication and uh, really getting into this topic um and that inner dialogue piece and how can we listen to others if we can't listen to ourselves i mean right in the beginning of the show one of the things that we say is that you know that without connection with ourselves connection with others is near impossible right 
Right. Well, and and communicating and uh, uh, with words or sharing, right? That that conversation that's connecting. It is. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. How do we connect with ourselves in conversation? That's a, just something for uh, as you're driving alone to think about. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. How do how do we do that so that we know what our inner self, who's in this conversation, or should be, right? Uh-huh. The uh-huh. inner self, are we listening with the intent to hear it all to our inner self? The intuition, right? I mean, that's, right. that's part of this. Anyway, so... so well, Go ahead. And I will, I just want to add, you know, and without thinking that we're crazy, like we judge each other's or ourselves rather so easily that like, this is crazy. Like, why am I talking to myself? And <laughs> like, you know, hello, you just did it. You're talking to yourself right there. So if you're going to have the inner monologue anyway, then you might as well say good things. You might as well. Right. Last week, you know, we were, we talked about bridging the gap. Uh, between our point of view and another's point of view mm-hmm. and, and, you know, making our way towards some respect for someone else's viewpoint. That's a, a big one in today's world. That's for sure. Oh, not, yeah. not just in our um, daily lives at home or at work, but uh, in the bigger scope of things too. It, you know, it doesn't mean we have to agree. It just means listen with respect mm-hmm. and uh, how often how, how do we honor differences with respect it's a tough one when the differences as we talked about last week are so polarized I mean yeah. way no, black and white nothing gray and how how can we find respect for that difference that is way over there not even in our realm of thinking as a tough one. Our, and, and, and if we bring it into the context of a, uh, a relationship with a spouse or, or a partner, uh, we've got our unconscious patterning from the past, right? Our autopilot that we've talked about a lot. This is, this is the autopilot functioning. And it provides for us automatic responses to behaviors and situations which were created from elaborate coping skills and defensive mechanisms we developed a long time ago to protect us from emotional harm. Mm-hmm. That was a long sentence, but, but you know, it, it, our autopilot programs automatic responses to reactions and to, to behaviors and situations. And, and these responses are, are created by us to cope with emotional problems a long time ago. And then we just carry them along with us. You know, years later, we're still doing the same thing because it's automatic. It's been in there, right? We've talked about this a lot. Many many times these responses can result from a a systematic error in thinking that occurs when processing and interpreting information. We called this cognitive bias last time. Yep. 
And as we mentioned in that conversation, many times these biases are our brain's attempt to simplify information processing, speed things up, you know, get things going with relative speed. Or, or, or sometimes they're memory-related. The way we remember an event may be biased for all kinds of reasons, right? And, yep. And, or they may be related to how selective we are in what we're paying attention to. The awareness piece, right? What are we paying attention to? Regardless, these biases are operating in the background out of awareness. And one of these biases we spoke of uh, is that one where we uh, just have to be right. Remember we talked about that. No matter what, we got to be right. How many people do you know like that? Maybe me. Uh, I don't know. Me, myself, and I, so that's three. (laughs) You know, when we're... When we're in a conversation with someone and there's a little back and forth going on, why do we need to be right so often? Many of us do, right? Um, This unconscious need greatly affects our ability to listen. We're not listening because if someone is telling us something and we are, while they're talking, we're scanning for clues that we can use to make this person feel wrong, right, and us feel right, then we are not listening to what's said. We're being said, we are, we are trying to find that judgment piece in there. And if we dig around a bit, we can generally find some self-worth issues lingering from, from experiencing shame and guilt, right? Maybe high expectations that couldn't be met somewhere in our past, uh, some shame, uh, you know, we were never allowed to be right. We were never right, you know. Right. This uh, reminds me of, um, like, when you talk about, um, like, the, the judgment piece and almost like the attack as a means of defense, right? So we're feeling defensive and, like, we might be judged mm-hmm. and we might be minimized. And so instead, we do it to someone else first. Right. Right. Go on the offensive. Right, exactly. Before we have to go on the defensive. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, We also talked uh, briefly at the end of last time about the fixer bias, remember? And I, we didn't have a lot of time, so I want to spend more time on this uh, particularly insidious troublemaker in relationships, you know. I see some form of this in almost every couple I work with. While one partner is sharing, the other is not listening to anything but the words and is and and, and maybe getting every other word. And and in the process is formulating a solution to what they perceive to be their partner's problem. And the fixer has very little, if any, patience. And they are just waiting for their partner to shut up long enough to force their solution onto them, most of the time interrupting in the process, right? Because the fixer just can't stand to hear anymore. I've got the solution. And they interrupt. And, you know, the person who is wanting to share, I'll I'll call him or her the speaker, okay? The speaker's desire to share is a bid for connection. 
The bid is an attempt at attunement. Remember attunement, the respectful, reciprocal exchange of sensitivities and information. So this bid by the speaker is an attempt at connecting. So it's a bid for an exchange, and not just of data, you know, the information, but a heartfelt exchange that includes sensitivity and caring. Now, it's been my experience that fixers have a finely tuned radar to detect these bids, and within seconds, they deflect the bid and move into solution mode. I mean, it's... It's an instant response almost. Mm -hmm. And this is out of their awareness and part of their autopilot functioning. So they're not thinking about this. But where does this come from, right? Well, as with most unconscious patterning, it's a coping skill, I think, right? A defensive mechanism typically developed years and years ago to protect the fixer from emotional harm, right? Yep. You know, many times fixers are emotionally and securely attached, typically of that avoidant variety. Not always, but and and early in their lives, emotional expression was not nurtured, and in, by their caregivers, and, and in many instances, it was discouraged, or criticized and shamed. Growing up under the influence of emotions was a weakness. And not to be shown or experienced. So, consequently, the fixer has little to no emotional intelligence or regulation. Okay. Sorry about that. But. <laughs> <laughs> hey, <laughs> anger. I'm, just, I'm relating to this. <laughs> <laughs> anger may be. Easy for a fixer, right? Anger there it is. A- anger is one that's easy because anger is a cover up, right? Many times for other emotions. I mean, if 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 you're if if an avoidantly attached person is is experiencing some kind of emotions that they can't label and can't figure out, then if if anger or irritability shows up, it covers that up, and so that happens a lot of times. So, so I I like this. The fixer is trapped in their own ignorance of emotions. Think about that. Okay, <laughs> I you want really to think are. About it. I want to be I want to be detached, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> when we are trapped, think about when we're trapped. I said fixer is trapped in their own ignorance of emotions. So, when we are trapped, what do we experience? Fear. And for the fixer, fear is not understood, right? It's an emotion. But it is felt biologically, in that instinctive survival response. So for the fixer, it is felt biologically as an extreme discomfort. This discomfort is is part of that finely tuned radar we spoke of a few minutes ago, right? And when it gets triggered, the fixer automatically moves into logically hearing only the words and providing an analysis and solution options which deflects from the discomfort of the trap. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. Are you a fixer by any chance? (laughs) 
My, I must be hitting some buttons today over here. I mean, I don't want to talk about it. I'm okay, surprised. okay, okay. Right. <laughs> well, okay, so look, knowing this about the fixers allows me, really, compassion for their plight. Thank you. And that's a good thing because I am one. So I like to think I was one, right? But it's, it's not something you change in yourself by just knowing what it is. So it's not like I'm a fixer and therefore I am fixed. <laughs> That's not going to work. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the years of programming, right, that you went through, that I went through, that all fixers go through, requires significant time for reprogramming if we're going to change this, right? I mean, you don't just flip a switch. And after a lot of hard work, I can pretty much these days catch myself fixing early on in the interaction and sometimes, many times, prior to doing it. But, you know, a significant amount of this improvement for me can be credited to my partner as, as we've worked on this together over time. Right? And that's what I encourage with the couples I work with. And with anyone else listening who is or has a fixer in their life. That's that curiosity piece that you're talking about and yeah. and being judgy. And when it's happening, it's like, oh, there it is. Yeah, but I think about living with a fixer is not easy, right? I mean. Especially if it's been not. going on for, you know, think about it. some of these. Uh, I, I speak with people, and just, they've been living in that environment for 25, 30 years every day. Yep. And eventually, over that time period, the, the partner that's just trying to share and be open has basically just given up. Right? They don't share anymore. Right. Or hardly at all. If they do... There's this anticipation, what they perceive as the dismissal of their feelings, right? They know it's going to come. There's an anticipation, and, and that anticipation is what uh, many times prevents them from sharing and just being quiet. And so here you've got this couple that uh, haven't shared in a long time. Superficial stuff, you know. The, this this ongoing feeling of that person of not being important, of being dismissed. I hear that one a lot. I feel dismissed. This can very much play into self-worth issues of their own, right? I'm not important. What I have to offer is insignificant. This must be my fault, right? I mean, this can really play in there and... and uh, the interactions at this point between the partners are superficial at best. Or angry, right? When the patience is thin, they can be angry interactions. So I'm painting a bleak picture here, but I'm, you know. I know. This is terrible. Can we take a break? Can we take a break okay. for a minute so I can lick my wounds? Okay. Let's take a break. All right. Let's take a break, and uh, when we come back, maybe maybe there'll be a silver lining to this whole fixer thing and ways to help. So uh, keep listening to At The Root with Greg Kuyper. We'll be right back. 
Too many relationships are adversely affected by wounds from our past. Lack of connection, unhappiness, shame, and regret are just some of the fallouts we experience when we choose to avoid addressing those wounds. Greg Kuiper of Kuiper Counseling is a psychotherapist committed to reestablishing connection with self to create greater connection with others. His work with teens, individuals, couples, and those struggling with substance use. If you struggle with old wounds or unhealthy narratives, get to the root of them in yourself by contacting Greg Kuiper at KuiperCounseling.com. That's KuiperCounseling.com. Whether it's fly fishing or French pastry, we all have something that makes our tail wag. Involuntary and instinctive, it's sparked by excitement, inspired by purpose, and it speaks to who we are. I'm Stacy Heller of Stacy Connects. I lead clients to the place that makes their tail wag. As a creative director, I bring ideas to life. As a podcast producer, I give ideas a voice. Stacy Connects, it's my superpower. If you want to connect with me, Stacy Heller, go to StacyConnects.com. Asking questions is better than making assumptions. Such is the premise of my show, Stacy Connects, a show about making connections through conversation. I welcome a diverse assortment of guests to chat about topics and ideas that are sometimes educational, sometimes inspirational, a little personal, and always entertaining. Every week, I draw out and befriend the elephant in the room so listeners can connect with the unexpected. Listen live Tuesdays from 3 to 4 on Alternative Talk, 1150 KKNW. Find our app in the Apple App Store or Google Play Store and take us with you wherever you go. Alternative Talk, AM 1150. Welcome back to At The Root with Greg Kuiper. So before the break, I was feeling sorry for myself because I am fully identifying as a fixer. And recognizing that uh, I maybe, maybe don't listen as uh, as well as I should for both intent and content. And that I am really rushing to come to some conclusion. And Greg was talking about how some of this is because we need to feel right we need to be heard we need to like here let me take care of this um and then there is also the angle i'm going to argue because you know mm-hmm. fixers will argue a point um that i i want to make it better for everybody now probably mm-hmm. i want to make them stop feeling and i'm uncomfortable with the fact that they're feeling something and so I want to patch it up as quickly as possible so that they can stop feeling these things. Um, but, you know, it's it's not all that it's about me. It's also like I, I do in my head feel like I'm trying to keep them from the pain. And so I feel like maybe that's not the best thing. <laughs> well, let's think of that. No, think about it. Yeah, I don't want people to hurt. What's wrong with that? But why are you keeping them from the pain during that interaction, right? I mean, we all know that we need to feel our feelings. Well, because then I'm going to have to feel, Greg. Oh, there we go. Bingo. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, and that's uncomfortable, right? It can be for for the, 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 the personality type we're talking about. 
you know, it's, ooh. And especially if, uh, and there are many people that, uh, of course, it's a spectrum of various degrees, but there are people who have no idea uh, about emotion at all. And I run into them all the time. I do. I mean, um, and it, it's not always the guy, by the way. <laughs> you know, it's clearly it, it's it's not. Uh, yeah, um, uh, you know, they just. I I. We're working on the, an active listening piece in in a session, let's say, and I'm I'm coaching and mediating and try to draw this out, and and I will. I will ask uh, the fixer, this person, um, what are you feeling? What did you hear? What did you feel in their comment to you? What are you feeling? Give me a feeling word. And they'll go, "Um, well, uh, I feel good, you know, or (laughs) I feel, and I'm like, no, 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 I need a feeling. I feel and, like they could have said that easier. <laughs> and then they might say sad or, yeah, or, or one of those. But, but <clears throat> you know, there are so many feeling words, so many. An emotional vocabulary is so important for all of us to have. Uh, to be able to say not I'm sad, but I'm disappointed. Big difference. Yeah, there's right. some sadness in disappointment, but right. Or, or. Desperate. What a word that is, right? But if somebody told you they were desperate, you'd get it, right? You would. If somebody oh, said, yeah. and if they were feeling desperate, but they said, I'm just off. I feel sad. Would you get that they're desperate? Probably not, right? And so it, it's, it's, and, and on, on a, and on the scale we're talking about with, with a person that has never gained that emotional vocabulary, and it's not their fault. Maybe it, maybe a little bit that they didn't figure this out sooner, but nobody helped them, right? I mean, nobody knew. They, they, they didn't grow up that being modeled to them. Um, and then they developed this mechanism, right, this coping mechanism we're talking about that that keeps us from that discomfort, right? And if I help them not feel what they're feeling, then things are going to be better because that works for me. Well, I had to pull myself <laughs> up by my bootstraps. Right. Like I had to put on my big girl pants and like <laughs> deal with it. And at least, you know, that was the message. And what I'm hearing you say, wow, that's such a therapy thing to say. Um uh, <laughs> What I'm hearing you say, though, is that by me not allowing someone else to feel, I'm robbing them of the experience. And I'm really also robbing myself of the opportunity to learn how to feel without fixing. Right. And to connect with their feeling. And that's the scary piece. That's the that fear trap we talked about. And and that's. That's when there is no connection going on, right? There is no emotional connection because there's no emotion going on. 
Right. So that's where you're talking about it being superficial because then it's all surface, surface, surface. Yeah, you're and fine. Yep. Yep. I'm good. Nope. How about you? Yep. No problem. Right. There you go. How's your dinner? Good. Yeah. How's yours? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, uh, we're laughing, I but I mean, I mean, everyone laugh with us because we all do this, right? I mean, right. Well, and I mean, think about those. You know, you go out to dinner and you see a couple, and you know, look around a room sometime at a restaurant, and you know, you can see the people that still have lots to talk about, and the right. people that are hashing things out, and the people that are like, "How's yours? Good. Uh, How's uh, yours?" Yeah, they're on their phones. Yeah, um, yeah. And now this isn't hopeless, right? It's not hopeless at all. But it, but it requires, especially if it's been going on for years and years and years, and, and the person that's, been, that's uh, been feeling dismissed all this time. Now, as we talk about this and we work on it together, um, there starts to become some realization that their partner isn't an idiot or a jerk. They just kind of clueless, right? I don't like that word, but um, I hear it used a lot. He's clueless or she's clueless. Well, it just simply means that they don't know, right? They never learned. And so do we, do we, is that a defect in them, in their personality? Is that a defect in them as people? No, it's, being uninformed, basically. And, well, and you know, we've got to have um, some slack here on both sides if we're going to fix this, right? I mean, that person that's been dismissed all this time, ready to leave, doesn't care anymore, now hears that their partner um, – wasn't really intending to do this, wasn't hurting them intentionally, just didn't know what was going on. And now in order to have this connection that hopefully they still want, the partner has to learn about expressing, sharing, having emotions. I mean, that's, that's a tall order. Right? Do, right. I've waited all this time, and now we're understanding that, that my partner does not know about emotions, and that's the crux of this. And, and he is going to, or she is going to, um, dive into learning about emotions and interacting with me. Two things I'm thinking of. One. Sure. Who says you can't surprise your partner after 30 years? That's true. Me. Like my poor husband. No, no, you know, no. Like, yeah. You know, but like, you know, hey, look at me. I'm we're learning something new about each other. And then the other thing I think about is the quote by Maya Angelou that is when you know better, you do better. And so, sure. you know, so for a long time, those of us that are fixers and that can identify with this. You know, if we are clueless or uneducated or it's it wasn't modeled or whatever it is, um, okay. And so now the question is, now that we know better, are we committed to doing better? Right. 
Well, that's that's a choice, right? I mean, that's a choice. Are you committed to doing it? If you are, if if someone is committed to to growth, and 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 they have a a, a relationship with a partner, and the partner wants to grow too, I guess my point is. This can be done as a team effort, right? A we. And the we's been kind of missing in this relationship for a while, probably, right? Obviously, it has, if it was ever there. And so now, how do we nurture a we and we work on this together? And I learn how to cut slack and I learn how to uh, uh, not be as uh, needy for emotions and my partner learns how to uh, express emotions and share those emotional words with me, and we can talk about it together. So there's a we working together for a common goal, right? And mm-hmm. and this has to be done, in my opinion, but has to be done with curiosity and a sense of discovery, right? We can't cram this down each other's throats. We can't pretend that someone like me, an outsider, is going to fix it for us, you know, uh, a therapist in this case is just a guide, right, uh, through this. And so we want to do this with a sense of curiosity and discovery, right, positive, constructive way, um, a journey, right, together. Right. And, and, you know, after all, that's that's what started way back when this relationship started. That's what it was, right, is a journey. and And so the journey carries on hopefully, with this new knowledge and this new goal. And and once we we can work with this and move forwards, then true attunement can start blossoming, right? And that emotional connection can be felt by both partners. And that in itself is a, uh, a drive to go onward. Just that feeling is, oh, yeah, now we're getting it. Let's keep going, right? So so the success, the reward um, will uh, help it roll, I think. Well, and I'll go ahead and say it as the fixer uh, in my relationship. I suspect that me acknowledging the behavior, mm-hmm. that would be huge. It means that I'm being self-aware. Uh, and then the fact that I'm sharing that acknowledgement and learning how this impacts my partner and seeing how it makes him feel and, and talking about it. And just by virtue of the fact that I'm A, becoming self-aware and B, acknowledging it, then that means C, I want to do something about it. And yeah. that is to make him feel like I just bought some more patience. I just got some more <laughs> time. Like I just right. created connection. And as you said, a, a we situation versus the me versus he situation. Right. It, it, it can't be a competition, right? It has to be a, a, a mutual goal. People, both partners working towards, right? I mean, if it can get to a place, and it can very quickly, if, if both people are committed and with a little coaching, it is it get to a place where you're just having an interaction and the, and the one partner stops and goes, oh, my God, I'm fixing, aren't I? And the other one goes, 
Yeah, I didn't know. I wanted to see when you were going to catch it. And you go, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. That's what I do. Okay, well, I'll, you know, I'm getting this, you know. So here's the interaction instead of, you're doing it again. You know what I mean? I mean, so, or, or, uh, yeah, both, both partners being able to just use the lightheartedness of working together for some, towards something to accomplish this, you know, you're, you know, I don't know if you know, but you were just fixing my problem there. I just wanted you, I was just kind of wanting a shoulder. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Yeah, I was. See, or, or, or vice versa, right? Just, yeah. Well, it goes back to, uh, we sort of joked about it last week and I'll say it again. Uh, it's like that, the safe word, it's like, Oops, there it is. Yeah, or, right. You know, coming up with something that, you know, kind of becomes um, it instantly lightens things up so that you're holding a mirror to uh, the behavior without holding up judgment to it. Yeah. And a even neater part of this can be when the person that's been feeling dismissed all these years and knows emotion can help their partner yeah. feel emotion. Oh, my God. This is incredible. It is. I watch it happen. You know, right? You know, tell me what it's like feeling that, right? And the other partner talks about it, and 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 then before you know it, they're both feeling it together, and and that's the connection, right? And it's uh, yeah, helping each other. There you go. That's the gooey inside. The gooey inside. Um. All right. Well, of course, we're out of time, uh, but uh, I really appreciate this hour with you. (laughs) (laughs) I am going to work on this and everyone else should. And, uh, you know, join me in listening for uh, what other people have to say and and focusing on the listening more than the fixing. Remember, you can connect with Greg at KuiperCounseling.com. There you can find more episodes, contact, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Greg? How do you want to how do you want to send us off today? Well, everyone, stay aware out there and pay attention to how you're listening this week. See you next week.